We want to thank you today for joining us at Truth Chapel's podcast. I pray this word would bring you life. I pray that it would edify you, encourage you, and enlighten you. If you have a moment, please subscribe and leave us a review. We will be so grateful. God bless, and let this word speak to your heart today. Hang with me. Turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 17. I'm going to read a little bit here, and then we're going to move on. Uh, in our series in the book of Acts. I want to read Acts 17. I'm going to begin in verse 2. I, this is kind of where I ended last, last a couple weeks ago. I want to start here. Acts chapter 17 and verse 2. The Bible says, And Paul, as his manner was, this is what Paul would do. This was his modus operandi. This is how he operated. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them three Sabbath days, which is he was entering into the synagogue of the Jews, and reasoned with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. Verse 4 is where I want to read from, and some of them believed. And consorted with Paul and Silas and the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city in an uproar, assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We ask you that you would speak to us through this lesson. Grow us, encourage us through your word tonight. Teach us through your word tonight and help us tonight. Just be hearers, but doers also. And the church said in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord tonight. Thank you for standing with us. Amen. I said this a couple uh, Wednesday nights ago, um, maybe even before our last lesson, uh, but I wanted to come back to the concept of this because we're going to see this. We have seen this before, and we'll see it again throughout the New Testament, is that everybody in a city, the, the only city in the book of Acts that unanimously and completely received the word would be Samaria. Samaria was the only place. When Philip went to Samaria, the Bible says literally the entire city of Samaria believed and were baptized. Even the witch in Samaria, uh, the, the local witch doctor or whatever you want to call him, that they, they all believed and the witch believed and everybody believed, the whole city believed. That's the last time you'll see that in the New Testament. Most of the places that they go from that point forward will be a, a splitting of, of, of people. There will be Jews who will believe and Jews that believe not. Greeks that believe, Greeks that believe not. There will be a splitting and there's never a city since Samaria that everybody is just on board. The whole city is on board. And so we see this, that everybody is not going to receive the word. There will be people um, who are angry about it. There will be people who are non-believing and will try to get people to not believe with them get a group together, and this is what happens in Acts 17. When Paul shows up in Thessalonica, which is where this story is, is told, 
when he shows up in Thessalonica, he goes into the synagogue, which, which he normally does. And the Bible says he spends three weeks in Thessalonica, three weeks, three Sabbath days, which is three weeks, consorting with them, debating with them, talking to them, saying, no, Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the answer. It's all about Jesus. Jesus Jesus was the image of God on the earth. And the Bible says that many believed, a, a bunch of Greeks believed, a great multitude of Greeks believed, and of the chief women, not a few. So many women believed also. But the Jews that believed not, they were not happy and this is what I want to point out about this, this portion of Scripture, is the Jews that didn't believe, they weren't happy just not believing and walking away. They weren't happy just being like, you know what? We don't believe this. You know, we're going to go home. We're not going to listen to this. Here's what they did. Not only did they not believe, but they went and they found people who could join them in their non-belief. The Bible says they went and found men of the baser sort. They went and found some hooligans and said, look, we need you to come with us. And, 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 and we're going to go get these, get these guys. We're going to go get Paul. We're going to go get Silas. We're going to go get Timotheus. We're going to go get these guys, and we're going to square them away. We're going to rough them up. And when they get to Jason's house where they've been doing all of this ministry, they're gone. And so they bring Jason and his family out, or Jason and certain brothers and rulers of the city. And, and the Bible says that they said to them, these men that have turned the world upside down have now come here. We've heard about them in other places, but now they're right here among us. They, they, they were doing this in other countries. They were doing this in other cities, but now they're doing it here, and they're upset about this. They're upset. It, it, it wasn't enough for them just to not believe, but they wanted to make an uproar about this whole situation. And I want to speak to that spirit because that spirit is in our world today. The spirit that says, listen, we, we want everybody to have freedom just to believe what they want to believe unless you don't believe what I believe. And then if you don't believe what I believe, I'm going to be mad about it and I'm going to try to shut you down because you don't believe what I believe. It's not just, hey, you know, we see you guys over there and we don't necessarily agree with everything you're doing, but, you know, you do you. And we're going to go over here and we're going to do us. And we're not worried about it. There's a spirit in our world, especially in the Christian church, where we speak, proclaim, believe in the name of Jesus. There is a spirit that wants to shut us down. Amen? And there's just not a spirit that says, well, we don't believe in that. But it's a spirit that says, you know what? We shouldn't be talking about that. That, that shouldn't be in our churches. We shouldn't be talking about that in our schools. We shouldn't be talking about that on the job. We shouldn't be talking about it. You could talk about anything else. You could talk about the most lewd, divisive, awful stuff you want to talk about. Just don't talk about church, religion, Jesus. Amen? That spirit that was in the early church is still alive today. And they, 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 they want to expose people. You know, we live in a time today we have what we call cancel culture. Where, where if you make a statement like Jesus is the only way, they're going to try to blow you up. Like, well, you don't believe in this. You don't believe in that. Well, I just believe that Jesus is the only way. And there are a lot of preachers and a lot of especially celebrity preachers that are having to make sure when they speak, they're using the kind of language that's inclusive so that they don't make anybody mad. Because if they make somebody mad 
and say, well, you said this or you said that. Now we're going to cancel you. We're going to shut you down. We're kicking you off this and kicking you off that, and you're not invited here, and we're not going to allow you to do this or do that because they don't want to just proclaim Jesus is the only answer and Jesus is the only way. But Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I'm it. That's it. One way. We used to sing that old song. One, one, one. One way to God. Some of y'all, y'all know that song? Y'all old enough to remember that? One, one, one. Just one way. And they were troubled. The Bible says that they were troubled. Uh, let's connect again with this scripture, with this uh, text in verse 7. Whom Jason had received, and these all do contrary to the decree of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. See, now they're trying to say that Jason and his home and these men, Paul, Silas, Timotheus, they are trying to say that Jesus is the king above Caesar. But, 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 but they're not trying to say that Jesus is the political king. They're trying to say that Jesus is the king of all. Amen? People, people will try to politicize our religion and use our religion against us in a political way. And, and, and that's what they're doing here. They're trying to say, well, they said Jesus was king, so they must have meant Caesar wasn't. But we don't ever see them saying anything about Caesar. They never said anything about Caesar. They just said Jesus is king. But they come, oh, you know, hey, this is what they did to Daniel. They politicized prayer. And they said, listen, you ought to make a decree that the only person that anybody can pray to is you for at least 30 days. And they tried to make it political so that they could get Daniel in a catch-22. And when Daniel would open his window and pray to the Lord, they said, hey, Daniel's breaking the law. You know, Supreme Court passed a law. Daniel's breaking the law. And we got to deal with Daniel on a legal level. Amen. That, that spirit's in our world today. Amen. Thank, th thank the Lord we live in America where we have freedom of religion. But, but, but every, everywhere our brothers and sisters in the Lord are in this world are not always right here in America. There, there are people in this world today, they are having to pray privately because the political realm of where they live at says they can't. Amen? We ought to thank God for it. Verse 8, and they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason and of the others, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. And they were more noble of those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. I just want to stop here and just point to this, 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 this verse in 11. When they get to, to the next place, when they get to Berea, they go into another synagogue, and the Bible says that these Jews in this synagogue, they were more noble than the ones in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with readiness of mind. Every place is, is going to be different. This is why Jesus would tell his disciples early on, when you enter into a city, if they don't receive you, just shake the dust off your feet and move on, because the next city might. And if you get stuck here offended that they didn't, if you take it personal in Thessalonica and you decide, man, forget this, nobody wants to hear this, and you go home and you give up on ministry because they didn't receive you in Thessalonica, then you miss Berea. But there were many who wanted to hear it. That's why Jesus told them when you leave a place and they're not totally with you, just shake the dust off your feet and keep on moving. 
Don't take it personally. Don't let it get in your spirit. Don't let it get in your heart. Don't get offended. Because the next person you talk to may be like, man, I've been waiting to hear this. Somebody said amen. We, we, we can't take it personal when people don't receive the word or people don't want to get on board or we have family members that don't believe and whatever, whatever. We get all upset we get, and then we shut down. I'm not going to tell nobody else because this one person or this one group don't want to hear me. But what about the next thing? What about that next family member you talk to? What about that next friend you have a conversation with? They may be the Berea and the person before may be your Thessalonica. Amen. And so this is, this is what he's saying. They came here. These were different people. They were in a different place. Their hearts were in a different place. They received the word with gladness and readiness and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, also of honorable women, which were Greeks and of men, not a few. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea, they came thither and stirred up the people. Look at Thessalonica now coming to Berea. These folks is crazy. They're trying to stir up strife. And then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go as, go as it were to the sea, but Silas and Timotheus abode there still. And they, conducted, and they that conducted Paul brought him into Athens and received the commandment unto Silas and Timotheus for to come to him with all speed they departed. Now when Paul waited for them at Athens, this is very important that you see what's about to happen here. So Paul's been to Thessalonica. Many Jews were saved. Many people believed, but there was trouble there. They left there because of that trouble, went to Berea. Berea was better than Thessalonica. Man, people were open-hearted. They searched the scripture. They didn't just take Paul's word as a face lie. They said, look for, they looked for themselves. They saw the scripture. Many of them were converted. Many of them believed. And the, the people from Thessalonica now show up in Berea and cause trouble, cause strife. So they send Paul away again. This time he doesn't go to a saved city, he goes to an, uh, a completely pagan city, Athens, in Greece. And when he gets to Athens, his spirit was stirred in him, verse 16, when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. And certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him and some said what will this babbler say other some he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection and they took him and brought him unto Areopagus saying may we now may we know that his that this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is for thou bringest certain strange things to our ear we would know therefore what these things mean now, this is interesting to me, and I'll just give you a picture of what's happening here. He goes to Thessalonica and many places before that. He goes into their synagogues. They either, some receive it, some don't. He goes to Thessalonica. It's almost a split. Some receive it, some don't. He goes to Berea. They're ready. They're scripture readers, the Bible tells. The Bible tells us they search the scriptures they're Bible readers. They're, they're word readers. They're, they've been looking at that Torah, and they're like, man, this makes sense to me. But then he goes to Athens, and he goes to a synagogue in Athens, and they're completely distraught by what he says. And in Athens, they're not either believing or not believing. They think that he's coming with a pagan word. Because the synagogue in Athens is influenced by the pagan community that's around them. See the influence of the people? 
the church, the synagogue, has been influenced by all this pagan worship around them. And when he comes, they're like, he's preaching a pagan, he's preaching a pagan God because he's preaching that Jesus is Lord. They don't see this any other way. They're not even looking back to the scripture. They're not even looking to the Old Testament. They're not even reading the Torah. They're just saying, this is a, you know, this guy, Paul, he's here preaching us pagan concepts and pagan philosophies because they've been so influenced by the pagan world around them. Paul would say Athens is completely turned over to a pagan mindset. And so Paul, uh, watch verse 20, for thou bringest certain strange things to our ears, we would know therefore what these things mean. Verse 21, for all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. So that spirit's in the church. The Athenians, all they do is spend their time just debating and talking and listening to all this new stuff. So that's their spirit in the church. And when Paul comes, they're like, man, what is this? This is new. This is not new. We know what Paul is preaching. Paul is preaching that the God of the Old Testament, the Yahweh of Abraham, of Moses, of Jacob and Isaac, is the, is the Jesus that they just crucified. This is the story he's telling. But because the church, the, the synagogue in Athens has been so controlled by its environment. The church should never be so controlled by the environment around it that we get so far from the scriptures that we can't hear a sound word from God. I'll prove it to you. There are churches right now, probably some in this community, but more some that I know of for sure. If I was to go into that church and preach just from the scripture, the people would be flabbergasted because they've never heard this preach before. Because everything they've been told is a pseudo version that fits the culture. And they're trying to get new knowledge. They're trying to get new knowledge every time they meet because they want to fit in with the culture. And this is where people will come and say, well, you know, this is okay and, and that's okay. And I know that Leviticus says this is an abomination, but I got a new revelation. And people are lost, confused, falling into false doctrine, believing a lie. Why? Because they've let the world around them influence them on the inside. The church should not be the one being influenced. The church should be the one influencing the world around us. But this was the power of Athens. And watch verse 22. Then Paul stood in the, the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. He said, you, you're, you're superstitious. Y'all coming up here rubbing rabbit's feet. Y'all coming up here rolling dice. You're too superstitious. You're trying to figure out the moon and the sun and the stars and alignment. You're up here looking at all this stuff. You're, you're, you're trying to figure all this stuff. You're, you're too superstitious. He, said, he says this, For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription. He says, I, as I came to him, now, if you do any research on Mars Hill, this is where the great minds of the world would come and meet, and they would debate all day long, and they would give the floor to certain people, and someone would come out and say, I believe that, this star in the sky is, is Pluto. 
And, and I believe that if you stare at that, that star for more than 30 minutes a night, it'll give you vitality. It'll give you life. You'll, you'll have bigger muscles. Now, this is, if you do research, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm not even being facetious right now. This is the stuff that was talked about at Mars Hill. People would come with these new belief systems all the time. I believe that if you take the sand from the bottom of the sea and you put it in a vial and you crush it up and you put it in a tea, it'll, it'll make you think better. So all day long they're hearing this stuff and, and, and they're bringing these new gods. Here, I, I found this god in an archaeological dig. This, I didn't make this. <laughs> I didn't make this. this was just, I just found this. And, and this thing, if you put it in your house and you bow down to it and you do all this, and all these gods, all these uh, images and all these different artifacts that people have brought to this place to share their word, to share their knowledge, to share their God, to share what's helping them and what could possibly help you. It's all a bunch of soothsayers, and they're all gathered together, and they're all talking about this, astrologers and, and mind readers, and they're all, and they have this big area laid out. And Paul's like, well, when I, when I came and I was listening to y'all talk, I kind of walked around and looked at all the gods you had, and I found an altar, verse 23. I found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. Whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him I declare unto you. So they, so they have all these altars built to all these different gods. And you can read about all these gods, Balak and Moloch and all these different gods that were there that they had all these things built for. But because they were men of, of thought, they kept an open space for the God that they didn't know about. They said, there may be a God we don't know about. So we keep an empty altar, and we just put it for the unknown God, just in case there's somebody that we're not worshiping, and we don't know his name yet. We're just going to worship this empty spot here, hoping that he knows we worship him. And so Paul, as he's looking around, he's trying to find a way to speak to these people. He's like, how can I get in here? I don't have no stories about no stars and no moons. I don't got no... Stories about special sand on the bottom of the sea. I ain't got no, and he's like, oh, look, okay. I got something I want to say. I was noticing when I was listening to y'all talk, I was walking around here looking at all, all these things you have, and I noticed that there's an altar here to an unknown God. And, but, 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 but I think that you guys are worshiping him out of ignorance. Let me tell you who he is. That's what he meant by him Declare I unto you. That's what he meant. He said, y'all worship him ignorantly. You don't really know who he is. But I know who that God is. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with man's hands, as though he needed anything seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell all on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bonds of their habitation that they may seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from every one of us for in him we live and move and have our being as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Paul was a learned man. Paul quoted when he says, in him we move 
when he says, for in him we live, move, and have our being, he was actually quoting a poet that all of them knew. He said, your own poets have said this, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or to silver or to stone or to graven by art and man's devices. And the times of this ignorance, God winked. God winked at this, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men and that he raised him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked and others said, we will hear thee again of this matter. When he got done speaking, there were some of them that said, this man is crazy, and they mocked him. But some said, I, I like that. I'll, I'd like to hear that again. So Paul, Paul departed from among them. Howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed. Among them, which was Dionysus the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris and others, with them. That's, that, that, that's a beautiful story of Paul going into this foreign land and preaching Jesus and people believing and being converted. Now, let me jump into Acts 18, and I'm going to finish here in Acts 18 for tonight. It says, After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and come unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought for by, for by their occupation, they were tent makers. So, so Paul had a job. Paul had a craft. Paul had a skill. Paul's craft and Paul's skill and Paul's job was he made tents. And he met Aquila and Priscilla and lived with them because they were tent makers as well. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And they opposed themselves and blasphemed. He shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean from henceforth. I will go into the Gentiles. He departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and were baptized. This is important stuff because later on there's two books, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and you're wondering, well, who's Paul writing to? He's writing to these people who were saved in Corinth and will start a church in Corinth. Then spake the Lord to Paul by night by a vision. He said, be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. This is, this is amazing. And watch verse 11. Watch verse 11. And he continued there a year 
and six months teaching the word of God among them. So if you've been following the story and you've been kind of connected, Paul's been hopping. This city, a lot of them received him. Some of them don't. This city, half and half. These people get a group together. They chase him out of this city, into this city. He gets to this city, and they, they love him. But the people from this city, they come over, and they cause trouble. Then they send him to Athens. And while he's in Athens, he's like, man, this place is crazy, and I'm going to preach Jesus to these pagan people. This, they completely turn themselves over to idols. And then when he leaves there, he goes to a place called Corinth. And in Corinth, God says, okay, Paul, I've brought you all those places to bring you here because I want you to stay here. Don't be afraid. You need to speak and you need to hold your, and hold not your peace. Don't keep it to yourself. For I'm with you. No man is going to sit on thee to hurt thee for I have much people in this city. And he stayed in Corinth for one and a half years. One year and six months. Teaching and preaching the word of God. We, we never know where God is moving us to. We never know how, how God is ordering our steps for the next thing. We never know how God is, is moving behind the scenes to put us in the right place at the right time. And everything that Paul has learned along the way, he's going to use in Corinth. I'm going to read a few, few more scriptures. I'm going to close. And when Galileo was the deputy of Acacia, the Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat. Now, God has already told him, you're going, you're going to be all right, Paul. Don't worry about it. No man is going to be set to hurt thee. And so they brought him to the judgment seat, verse 13, saying, this fellow persuadeth men to worship God contrary to the law. And when Paul was not about to open his mouth, Galileo said unto the Jews, If it were a matter of wrong or wicked lewdness, O ye Jews, reason, what would that I should bear with you? But if it be a question of words and names and of your law, look ye to it, for I will be no judge of such matters. So Galileo, who's the, who's the ruler of that area, he says, look, if this is about this man doing something wicked and evil, yeah, I'll handle that. But if you're just mad because he's speaking words and names, then, then, then that's you. You handle this. I'm not going to handle this. I'm not here to judge over such matters. And he drave them from the judgment seat. Then all the Greeks took uh, Sothenes, the chief ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. And Galileo cared for none of those things. And, and Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while, and then took his leave of the brethren, and sailed thence to Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Caesarea, for he had a vow. And he came to Ephesus and left them there. But he himself entered in a synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they desired him to tarry longer, a longer time with them, he consented not, but bade them farewell, saying, I must be by all means keep this feast that cometh in Jerusalem, but I will return again unto you if God will. And he sailed from Ephesus. And when he had landed in Caesarea and gone up and saluted the church, he went down to Antioch where it all began for Paul in Antioch. And after he had spent some time there, he departed and went over all the country of Galatia and Phygeria in order, strengthening all the disciples. And a certain Jew named Apollos, I wanted to read all this so I can get to the story. 
And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man, mighty in scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. So he had only been baptized into repentance the way that John was baptized. Are, are you following me here? There's this man named Apollos. He is mighty in word. He is my, eloquent in word, mighty in the scriptures. He comes. He's fervent in the spirit. He spake. He teaches diligently of the things of the Lord. But he'd only been baptized into John's baptism. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Woo, it's powerful. Aquila and Priscilla heard him. They took him and they said, man, you're amazing. Let, let us tell you a more perfect way. Let us show you the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass into Acacia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who, when he was come, helped them much, which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly showing by the Scripture that Jesus was Christ. Who has Paul been struggling to convince for the last five chapters? The Jews. Who has tried to kill him, imprison him, beat him, conjuring up all these gangs, trying to run him out of town? Who? The Jews. Who doesn't like Paul? The Jews. Jews don't like him. Jews hate him. Jews... Paul has an amazing ministry. The Greeks, the Gentiles, the Italians, I mean, everybody is in love. This man goes to a pagan country, and many people follow him from Mars Hill. He preaches one time at Mars Hill, and he has a whole group of disciples that follow with him. But he can't get, Jews do not like him. So God sends somebody that they like. They're so, listen, <laughs> This is so good to me. Here's why it's good to me. Because when Apollos comes in the church, he is really eloquent, really powerful, but he's not completely right. Okay? This is so good. I'm, I, this, this story of the Bible right here just sets me on fire. I'll tell you why it sets me on fire. Because of the spirit of Aquila and Priscilla. Thank God for the spirit of Aquila and Priscilla. We, you know what we need in the kingdom of God today? The spirit of Aquila and Priscilla. Because most of the time, all we're doing is telling everybody what they're doing wrong and attacking people with the word. This guy over here is a great preacher, a great teacher, knows the word inside and out, and from all intents and purposes, loves Jesus with all of his heart. But he don't see everything exactly like me. He ain't been baptized in Jesus' name yet. Well, has he been baptized? Yeah, he's been baptized wrong. Well, how do you know it's wrong? How do you know his baptism's wrong? 
He was baptized in the titles. He was baptized under, uh, under repentance. I, I don't know. He, he, he wasn't baptized like me, so he's baptized wrong. And we sit around and fight. And, and, and people get angry, and, and we chop religious people. Here's what the disciples did. The disciples found some dudes preaching Jesus that weren't with them. They didn't have the same licensing that they had. And so they go to Jesus. They say, Jesus, check it out. There's some guys over there preaching your name. We ain't never heard, we, I ain't never seen them. Dude. They're not with us. Should we go shut them down? Jesus said, are they preaching my name? Are they preaching Jesus? He said, yeah, we heard it. They were preaching Jesus. They was preaching you. He said, leave them alone. He said, no, 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 we should go shut them down. We should go kick the, the doors down. We should, go, we should go end that. She said, no, let them be. Follow me. Let, let, let's our, do our thing. Let's let them do their thing. I'll tell you why. Because if they're preaching me, there's no way they can be against me. No spirit can say that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh unless it be the spirit of God in him. Let me tell you what Peter said. This is what Peter said. Peter said, every spirit that saith Jesus Christ come in the flesh is the spirit of God. Every spirit, every spirit, every spirit that saith Jesus Christ come in the flesh is the spirit of God. And he said, every spirit that saith that Jesus Christ come not in the spirit of God, that spirit is the spirit of the Antichrist. That's what he said. And Apollos had a ministry in him that could reach people that could not be reached by the rest of the church. And it took an Aquila and a Priscilla with a right heart and a right spirit that could sit down with this Apollos and not tell him how wrong he was, not tell him what an idiot he was, not try to debate with him and make him angry or mad, but Aquila and Priscilla sit down with him and somehow their spirit, they show him they expound unto him a more perfect way, a way of God more perfectly. And when he got it, there was a great revival among the people that weren't having revival. For he mightily convinced the Jews. This whole book that we've been reading, the people who don't want to hear it are the Jews. But Apollos had a ministry that somehow the Jews were like, man, I like this guy. I, did, I didn't like Paul. I hate Peter. I hate John. I don't want to hear none of these dudes. But for some reason, Apollos has a ministry, a spirit that I connect with. I wonder how many people could get the truth if we stop beating people up because they don't have the whole truth. I get, I, I'm a little passionate about it. Calm, calm, calm down. I just, we get so mad. We want to debate. We want to be angry. We want to tell people, no, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Do you believe Jesus came in the flesh? Then you're not wrong. You believe in Jesus? Then you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But let's sit down. And if, and if me and you can find some common ground, if I come to you and say, you know what? You're wrong. You've been taught wrong. You believe wrong. And you're a dummy. Are you going to hear anything I got to say now? Absolutely not. But if I can say, man, you're not wrong, you're not wrong. That, that's beautiful. You were baptized and baptism of repentance, that's awesome. Every person that was baptized 
whether they were baptized according to the scripture or according not to the scripture. If they were, if they were at a church service and the preacher preached a message of Calvary and told them that Jesus died for their sin and they were touched in their heart and they were like, man, I need to get baptized. They come up, they don't care. And when you're in a service and you hear the word of God and the gospel, the good news preached, honestly, when you come to that baptismal tank, you don't care what they say. They could have been like abracadabra could do. She would have come out like, thank you, Jesus. My sins have been washed away. You don't know. You're not a theologian. You're responding to the gospel. That's on that individual who put you down in that water. That ain't on you. And then we come telling people, well, you're baptized wrong. You're going to bust hell wide open. Don't pass gold. Don't collect $200. They're not going to hear what we have to say. But if we say, man, listen, you've been baptized, that's amazing. That's awesome that you got baptized because that means in your heart you, you felt the word of God. You responded to the gospel. But can I tell you, nobody in the Bible, not one person was baptized in the name of Father, Son, Holy Ghost. We got five baptisms in the Bible that we know of personally, five baptisms. And every one of those baptisms, they were baptized in Jesus' name. And they say, well, that's... That's dumb. I'm out. Well, that's all. Hey, man, God, I still love you, man. I love you. I, come on, bro. I love you. I, I want to see good things for you. But most time, what people will say to me is, well, is it okay to get rebaptized? I say, man, that's Acts 19. That's the next chapter. That's the next chapter. We got one more chapter to get to this point because, a, because Apollos is going to open the door. Apollos is, Apollos is not just opening the door for, for the for the. To the good news, but Apollos is about to open the door for the revival of the Jews. It took us to Acts 18 to get to a Jew revival. We've had revival in Samaria. We've had revival in Philippi. We've had revival in Thessalonica. We've had a re revival in Corinth. We've had revival in Ephesus. We've had all the, but we have had no Jewish revival. And the Jewish revival is about to start because Aquila and Priscilla had the heart enough. Aquila and Priscilla had the spirit enough to say, hey man, Come on, sit down with us. Here's some coffee. Come over to my house. Let's talk about this. And expound it to him a more perfect way. Woo! That's a good word. That's going to help some of y'all tomorrow when you're at work. And you keep arguing with somebody who you can't argue with. Leave them alone. Somebody been raised in a church and believe in something the whole life. It's like you telling them the sky is purple. And, 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 and grass is pink. Like, nah, bro, grass is green and the sky is blue. Because that's what I've always been taught, what I've always believed. You know what they need? They, they don't need some theologian trying to ram a thought down their throat. What they need is someone who can expound on the word. Because you can argue with me and you can argue with the belief system, but you ain't ever going to be able to argue with this scripture. And if, and if we can find a common ground and we can, we can expound on the word, the word will show us where we need to go. The word's going to tell a story. The word's going to show you, man, you need to be, repent of your sins. The word's going to show you, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. The word's going to show you, you need to go down in that water in the name of Jesus. I, and it ain't got nothing to do with my belief system, my denomination, what church I belong to, what kind of card I carry in my pocket. Nothing, it's the scripture. That's how they did it. My God, that's how we ought to do it. And expound a more perfect way. And there's great revival. There's great revival. There's great revival when there's powerful people like Aquila. And, here's what I pray. I pray, Lord, in the kingdom of God, let there be a spirit of Aquila and Priscilla. 
tent makers. People who have a skill, a job, a talent, who can sit down with regular people and go, man, let me tell you, let me, let's, let's talk about the word of God. To have a spirit of excellence and a spirit of kindness that people can listen long enough to hear the truth. Can you keep somebody listening to you long enough to hear the truth of God's word? And we never know what revival is sitting behind that person or who that person can reach that me and you will never come in contact with, who that person can touch, that maybe we've been struggling to have a revival in that area. But now that person says, oh, yeah, I got an inroad. With you. They love me over there. Man, that's awesome. Let's talk about this word. Amen. Would you stand with me? Ain't the word good? Ain't it good? I love the book of Acts. I think, I think that almost every problem in the church that we deal with today on some level, type, and shadow, we read in the book of Acts. And there's a lot of people in this city and, and surrounding cities that believe differently from us. There's, there's certain things they believe that are different from us. But brothers and sisters, they love Jesus. And you know what the most, the common ground should always be? Let me tell you what the common ground should always be. Jesus should be the common ground. Always. Jesus is the common ground. And if me and you can agree that Jesus Christ is Lord, Savior of the world, if we can agree on that, man, we can go places. We can really cut down some trees of, of doctrine and, and denomination. That's why I say we're a, we're a biblical church. Because I'd rather be biblical than anything else. Any kind of brand you can put on us, any kind, yes, yes, we're, we're Pentecostal, yes, we're apostolic, but I'm Baptist too because I like to baptize people. And I'm Methodist because there's a method to my madness. And I'm Presbyterian because I press for the mark for the prize of the high calling. Hey, and I'm Catholic because the word Catholic means universal. And I believe that everybody ought to get this, universal, yeah. That's what I mean. I'm charismatic because I, when I preach, I use charisma. Man, don't come at me. I'm, I'm all, Paul said, I'll be all things to all men. Here's what I know. Jesus Christ is Lord. And you need to repent of your sins, be baptized in Jesus' name, and fill with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Somebody said amen. Amen. We want to thank you again for joining us on the Truth Chapel podcast. May you have a blessed day and walk in the favor of the Lord.